Turning to Revelation chapter 21, and then also the very next chapter, we're going to read a few verses from each chapter. Revelation 21, we'll pick up the first eight verses there. And in my Bible, the, the heading there is, all things made new. And I know that we trust that God has everything under control and some beautiful things in store for the believer. So the, the writer here, John, the revelator, says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy heaven, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There should be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said to me, Write, these words are true and faithful. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give him the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. And he shall be my son. I'm turning over to the next chapter, 22, beginning at verse 1 through 5. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits. Each tree yielded its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and the servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his face shall be, or his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there, for the, they need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. In reading in the scripture, you can read where the Apostle Paul had a vision where he was taken up, he said, into the third heaven. And he said, I saw things that well, all, it fell out a lot of to even share. He said, I don't think you could even understand if I could. It makes you wonder, what did he see? I think that he, he felt that there's things in store for us that we can't fathom now. Unbelievable things. He had a continual desire to be in heaven after he had that experience. And I trust that we do as well. 
I, I hunger and I long for the time that we see Jesus. See him face to face. Be able to praise him with perfect praise. And then to see, of course, our loved ones who have gone on before. But we ask the question, where is heaven? Do you know where it is? Does anyone know? Well, what we do know, there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, Dr. David Jeremiah, and I appreciate this dear man. I've heard him speak in person, maybe you have. Uh, he's quite a Bible teacher, and he believes that the heaven and earth as we know it now will be cleansed and be made new, but not totally annihilated and destroyed. He said, everything will go back to the way it was in the Garden of Eden. You know, fire purifies. And that's his thought, and I, I can accept that. You know, I, I know the Lord is in charge. He'll do what, what he wants to do, but uh, uh, we know that the earth will be changed. All the good will be coming back, and the evil will be gone. At the center is going to be the new Jerusalem. 1,500-mile cube. Try to imagine that. Uh, it's going to be a, a tremendous big thing. That's going to be the capital city of the new world. And we know the throne of God is going to be in the midst of that. And Jesus and all his angels and innumerable multitudes of people. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, when we get there, we're going to behold the face of Jesus Face to face. For now we see through a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. I was visiting this week with Vivian Shank. At different times, she'll ask me about heaven. What do you think about heaven? What's it going to be like? I said, Vivian, I see a picture of her mom of her daughter when she was a teenager. I said, you're going to look just like that. I will? I said, yes. In the prime of your life, she said her daughter, different ones say, reminded uh, them of Vivian when she was younger. And I said, we're going to know everyone. She said, how can it be? I said, because we're going to have a perfect body, a perfect mind. Uh, and you'll know, every, you'll know Moses, you'll know the prophets, and you'll know everyone who ever lived that comes to heaven. Uh, there won't be any lack to talk about things. You have a thousand years to sit down, can't imagine, discuss whatever you want for a thousand years. <laughs> it's just beyond what we're thinking here at Earth, is it not? We will have immediate access to Jesus Christ. I just can't fathom what that will be. That alone makes heaven worth it all, doesn't it? Amen. We know that Jesus, when he ascended, and the angels uh, told the disciples that Jesus was back again someday, just in like manner, for, for all the believers. You read there in chapter 14 of St. John, that Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you will be also. A place for us to be with him forever. So I can't tell you exactly where heaven is. I can't really tell you exactly what it's going to be like. I've not been there yet. There are those that have had visions and and I enjoy reading some of those stories. In fact, in my next message on heaven, I'll be sharing of a Sister Bosser, who some of you old, older ones will remember from Roxbury Camp. But we can catch glimpses throughout Scripture about heaven. 
And especially in the scripture we read here, things that will not be there. And so this morning, I, I want to share some of these things, and it'll give us reason to rejoice. The message of hope is to us, dear friends, every one of us that believes. John the Revelator, he saw this as he penned the words there in Revelation. He tells us seven things that will not be found in heaven. First one is, there will not be any more sea. You mean, Pastor, there's not going to be any water there? Oh no, it's not what I said. The scripture also says there will be a river flowing out from under the throne of heaven. We read here about the trees that align the river, that have fruit all the time for healing and, and so forth. But I think what John is saying here, there's not going to be any tsunamis. No hurricanes, no typhoons or terrible storms that we now hear about raging over the sea. Jesus said, he showed me a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Last evening, we had a delight to be together with my brothers and sisters down in New Holland at my oldest brother's home. And they were showing us some pictures. They just got back from Aruba. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Aruba, but the water is crystal clear there. Beautiful. And I had to think of that when I read that scripture. I think it would be better than that. Um, back in our, our 35th wedding anniversary, we went to, we, we took a cruise down to the Bahama Island chains. And one of the last islands is called Half Moon Key. Beautiful place. The water was a turquoise white. And white sand, you could just see right down to the bottom. And I thought to myself when we were there, this is so beautiful. I guess this is the closest to eternity we'll see in this world. Of what heaven is going to be like. So I look forward to heaven. It's going to be great. Number two, there's not going to be any, let's see here, handkerchiefs in heaven. You know why? You're not going to be crying. You won't be crying. You have a cold there. No handkerchiefs in heaven. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Tears will not exist in heaven. Some of you may remember Bishop Henry Ginder. Bless his memory. I love that man. He was a storyteller when he would be preaching. But he would often be preaching and tears would be going down his cheeks. When he would get happy in Jesus, he cried. Somebody said, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? He said, that's not my worry. The Lord will have that figured out when I get there. But there's not going to be tears. No funeral homes, no caskets, no cemeteries. Because there's not going to be any more death, sorrow, or crying found there. Only once we've been raised up in Christ and his resurrection power, we will never die again. Amen? I think you sounded happy about that. Number three, no more hospitals. Oh, I wish the Lord would come today. <laughs> Think of it. No more surgeries. 
drugs, doctors and nurses, as nice as they are. We, we appreciate them so much, the care that they give. Now, I know, and I'm going to ask for hands, but there's, there's a good number of us here that take medication. Now, I'm not talking about vitamin C and that kind of thing, the things that the doctor says that you need. There's not going to be any medication in heaven. No more chemo, radiation, or any such thing. Oh, friends, rejoice with me for that great day that is coming when there's no more pain of any kind. Headaches, back pain, joint pain, stomach pain, knee pain. I could go on and on, couldn't I? Oh, Mr. Arthur comes along, you know, arthritis. I begin to feel a little bit of that. I was, I was going some wood just recently, and it got me in my elbow here. I thought, well, I'll just overbid it. You know, that thing just hung on and hung on, wouldn't go away. And I went for a, to a chiropractor, and they gave it a name. Of course, it always has a name, doesn't it? <laughs> and uh, did a little work on it. It was better for a little bit, but aches and pains. Now, David, I know you don't even know what I'm talking about. And some of you under 40, because I think when I hit 40 is when I started to feel some of these things. I don't know if that was your case or not, but you know what? Our bodies are wearing out. And that's a good thing, because it makes you more the anxious for heaven, right? And you're going to get a new body. I don't want to stay here forever, do you? I can't imagine living as long as Methuselah. Can you imagine? His beard probably touched the floor. I wonder where that came from. <laughs> but praise the Lord, we're going to have a new body where we can rejoice and praise God perfectly. Number four, no more fear, no more unbelief, no more murders or lies or devilish witchcraft ever again. In fact, the Bible is very clear there. All the practices, things are going to have the second death in the lake of God. Look at verse 8. The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their place in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. People live in fear, especially older people. You lock your doors at night, you shut your blinds because of the world we live in. I can't imagine what it would be like to live in inner city. It's scary enough out in the country sometimes. And I, I encourage you, keep your doors locked as we continue to trust the Lord. Uh, growing up on a farm, I remember the day you did lock doors. That day's gone. I remember one time our deacon there at Balbo said when they got home from church, somebody had gone in their farmhouse and cleaned out all his hunting guns. Uh, they never locked their door. Well, from that day on, they did. How is when the cow gets out and they lock the door? You know, lock the first, I guess. Um, there's no more fear. No more abortions. Think of that. 61 million plus little lives that have been stuffed out. Do you know what? Their soul is. They're in heaven. We're going to see them someday. 
Thank God for a president who's unashamedly standing for, for life for the unborn. No more violence, child molesters, or human trafficking. I'm just reading an article recently. Uh, I think it was in a doctor's office, and there was a newspaper laying there, and it's shocking what goes on in our state of Pennsylvania of human trafficking. But none of this can be found in heaven. Praise the Lord. And number five, now maybe this won't mean so much to some of you, but you're never going to have to move again. In our years of preparing and in ministry, my wife and I have moved more than I would like to remember. How many times do you think we've moved? Somebody give a guess. Seven. Seven? Seven? Nope. Five. Who said 15? Our next move will be number 15. Good deal. And I said, really? You know what? Our secretary, my wife, has it all written down and where we live years in each place. Oh my goodness, I couldn't even remember it all. When you get to heaven, there's no more moving again. That's your last move, folks. I remember a dear brother at my former church, Alan Byler, he was the adult Bible teacher. And, you know, as superintendent, I was always encouraging people to move up to the next class and so forth in those days. And I talked to Alan one day. He said, well, my next move is my promotion. He was talking about going to heaven. No more move. Jesus has prepared a place for us, as I said a minute ago. Now, whether it's a mansion or an apartment, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You know that old song, a tent or a cottage, why should I care? They're building a palace for me over there. Whatever Jesus has in mind, it's going to be a surprise and it's going to be great. Number six, no more cripples, no more blind or deaf people there. Because the Bible clearly says we're going to have a new glorified body. A resurrected body is going to be that perfect heavenly body with no imperfections whatsoever. Now maybe you feel like you're pretty perfect today. Wait till you get older. It's going to change. It's going to change. People suffer pain. They have diseased bodies. I remember my dear uncle Claire Gingham, my mother's brother. He had what they called crippling arthritis. And as he got older, his hands just sort of twisted up. And it was a lot of pain. You know, when my uncle Claire passed away, I could just imagine he has new hands now. Yes. No more glasses or these hearing aids, walking canes, or walkers, or wheelchairs, Helen. Not in heaven. Not in heaven. Now, this might surprise you. There's not going to be any clock in heaven. I love clocks. I have a grandfather's clock. I have my, my dad mom's mantle clock. I just love to hear those chime. Of course, our grandfather's clock in the living room doesn't run very often because when my wife can't sleep, she goes out and she stops the clock all the time. It's sometimes three in the morning, sometimes four in the morning. But So I just let it off for a day or two and then I started up again at last for about that day or so. I love clocks, but there's not going to be a clock in heaven. Why? No more time 
Time has served its purpose here in this world. I, I've done it. I, I thought, well, my mother, she's gone now about 15 years. I really wonder to my mother if it's like the first day she was in heaven. There's no time that we know it here. You know, we know a beginning, we know an end, but eternity always was. And it's going to be always, it always will be. Run that by your mind, huh? Well, there in verse 57 of 1 Corinthians, I want to read a few verses out of 1 Corinthians um, 15. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to pick up Pick up there and read to you. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will raise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption, corruptible, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Old death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved people, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Paul says there in verse 57, but thanks be to God who's give, who gives to us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that was right, he's saying it right after he was talking about death losing its power, losing its, its sting and victory. Now we as believers often quote some of these verses when we talk about our trials and tests that we're facing in this world, in this life. But I believe Paul had a deeper meaning there. He was longing for heaven. Because now our bodies are groaning to be clothed with heaven our home. 2 Corinthians 5, the first three verses say, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building of God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation." which is from heaven. And Paul then says in verse 8, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. That's a verse I often use when I'm sharing a, a, a message at a funeral. And it, it gives us a hope. When a person dies, they're not there in the grave. Their spirit is immediately with Jesus. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so can you try to imagine with me the huge gathering that's someday going to be coming into heaven and around the throne? The saints of all the ages. 
it, it's just an innumerable amount of people from the four corners of our earth. What a victory march that will be. Hallelujah. And I want to be part of that march. Martyrs who, who have been killed for the, the cause of Christ, uh, aborted millions of babies, orphans have been, have been rejected, then will have their Heavenly Father all together lifting their voice and praising God. It's going to sound like a roar of many waters when they uh, give that loud hosannas to the Lord. What a sound of victory. Praise the Lord. We're going to cry, holy, holy, holy. All will be dancing and shouting, victory, victory in Jesus. It will be a sound like we've never heard before. Now, I know we're all made different. I can imagine Ken's going to be right out front dancing like crazy. Some of us who made to go quiet just have our hands in the air. God made us all different. One thing we're all going to be doing, and that is rejoicing together, giving praise to our Heavenly Father, to Jesus Christ and the blessed Holy Spirit, the church of Jesus Christ, the blood-washed multitudes from all nations, all tribes around the earth. When Paul was taken up to heaven, he scattered what he saw. And I think we will too. I think he was given just a small little preview of what's coming. Oh, dear friend, this morning, make sure that's your desire to someday meet in heaven. Jesus is coming back, and only the blood wash are going to go. And so now's the time to prepare and be ready. Oh, how we long to see him. Praise God. Amen. The worship team is coming now as we all stand together. Let's rejoice as we sing together. Amen. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, oh. 